The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. Um, as always, P Nate and Pooty. We got a little something special for you this week, though. It's it's not our regular nonsensical rants. Um, it's, it's something different um, because what's happening. This is kind of like a breaking news thing because I don't think we've talked about this at all in the podcast. No, up to right now. So everybody's going to hear this and they're being told after the fact. Basically, yeah. Yeah. So what's happening? So this episode, it, we're planning on having this episode drop um, in the middle. So th- this will uh, come out on Wednesday as it normally does. And Spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> so we're recording this uh, before I leave. Um, but I'm actually going to be in Iraq for uh, uh, just over a week and uh, and doing some cool stuff that we wanted to talk about. So... Um, we wanted to reach out to the community uh, who listen to the Rebels, uh, ask for prayer, um, let you know what's going on so that you can pray for all the cool stuff I get to do. Yeah, because by the time when, when you're hearing my melodious voice right now, Nate will be currently <laughs> in Iraq, Lord willing, Yep, somewhere, we won't say where, but somewhere in the country of Iraq doing God's work. Yeah, so if all goes according to plan, you will, you're listening to this on October 9th which is right dead center of my, uh, my trip there. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be in Iraq. Um, and basically what we, what we get to do is I'm going with a small team of pastors. And what we get to do basically is uh, for a lot of the, the pastors in Iraq, um, there, there's not an opportunity to go to seminary, right? So you get, call, you get converted, you feel a call to the ministry, uh, a lot of these pastors are home church pastors of just kind of, they don't have a place to meet. And for a lot of them, it's not safe for them to meet. And so they meet in their homes and they risk uh, persecution and, and imprisonment and, and death. But because they don't have access to the same resources we do, right? Because they, they don't want to flag things if they're they're looking stuff up online um, and, and all that kind of stuff. And obviously they can't just go to seminary. So we're sending in a team of pastors to kind of do a bit of a crash course with the underground pastors in Iraq uh, to teach them some things that we um, that that pastors need to know. So um, there's a couple other pastors who are going. Uh, one's going to be teaching some biblical counseling. Um, I'm going to be teaching biblical theology and hermeneutics. Uh, just to help equip the pastors to serve the local church there. So it's a it's a really cool opportunity. I'm really obviously looking forward to it. 
um, but it comes with a certain amount of risk. And so uh, we haven't talked about it leading up to now. And we hope that um, as this releases that uh, you can pray. You can pray that uh, I got in safely. That'll be retroactive. <laughs> and uh, and you can pray that I get out safely and that the, the you know, the, the mission bears much fruit. All, all in between goes well too. Well <laughs> yeah, too. that's the plan. So why don't you, why don't you tell the people, because I'm, I'm sure tons of questions are, are, are raised right now. Um, how did this come about? For those of you who don't know, I'm a pastor in the Christian Missionary Alliance, and um, for for some of the difficulties of being associated with the Christian Missionary Alliance, um, you know, it's a it's a fairly diverse uh, family of churches and pastors. Um, but one of the things that I appreciate about our uh, fellowship, our denomination, is it's it's very Christ centered and it's very missional. It's very missions oriented. It actually started, if you wanted to go back through the history, um, the Christian Missionary Alliance was never supposed to be a, a church denomination. It actually started as a missions organization that that spanned across various denominations and partnered with various denominations in order to get uh, missionaries out onto the missions field. And so many, 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 many years ago, it wasn't as easy as buying a plane ticket and uh, sending an email to the people who are going to pick you up at the airport on the other end. Um, back then you were getting into a boat and maybe, or maybe not several months later, <laughs> ending up at your destination in Africa or wherever. Um, and so, uh, the Christian Missionary Alliance started off as just a missions organization trying to help people who who felt the the call to go and i would even say not necessarily feel the call to go but um understood their command to go and uh and was helping them get there so all that to say i was at a uh district conference for uh christian missionary alliance and uh, i was asked to speak at the beginning of the conference and so I, i i spoke and i was sitting down with uh with a friend of mine and uh, the president of the denomination came up and just kind of said, hey, guys, do you want to come to Iraq with me? And we, we kind of look at each other like, uh, OK, side note, um, knowing how, uh, um, I guess, lively and, and tumultuous things are in the Middle East. Um, this other pastor of mine, who's also a, a pretty reformed pastor. Uh, he, we both text our wives or call their wives shortly after. And his wife says, are you sure this isn't uh, his way of just trying to get rid of both of you at the same time? <laughs> uh, that, that, that possibility does exist. Um, no, but uh, so we were just asked if we would go and, and be a part of this. So uh, our uh, the, the leader who initiated this, he's uh, he put the team together, three of us who he thought um, would would teach on these three particular areas. Well, um, and, uh, and so he, he asked us to come in and, and do that teaching. And, uh, we said yes pretty quickly. So that's how it all came about. It's only been a couple months in the making. Yeah. It feels like it, it came about really quickly. Yeah. Like, I feel like I got told almost like you, you mentioned it to me like kind of right away. And that was like a couple months ago. Yeah. And by the way, it's October that I'm going. Yeah. And, um, so we have missionaries on the ground in Iraq. Uh, Iraq is of course a creative access country is what we call it, which means you can't just go there as a missionary. You can't just go there as a, um, short or long term. And so, uh, you have to get creative on how you go in there. And so we have, uh, we have people who are in there who, um, have, a uh, business and uh, their business kind of fronts as their ability to do ministry. We can't talk too much about it or obviously yeah, yeah. give any names or details. Um, but uh, it's a Chick Fil A, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Chick Fil A, <laughs> yeah, their their bacon sandwiches go. Re- 
Oh boy. Um, and, uh, and so anyway, we're, we're going in and, uh, and, and partnering with them. So we're going in on the, on the, uh, the sort of that, the front that we're going and teaching English, um, at this, at this place. So, um, it, and it all did happen quite quickly and, um, it, it all just happens to be, you know, when, when flights were cheap and when we could get in there, when worked for the missionaries, when worked for the pastors, because again, you're looking at a whole lot of pastors who are obviously bivocational, right? They have, they have to make a living and a lot of them are just pastoring in, in little home churches because they're meeting underground and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, as schedules had to come together, we had to be fairly flexible. So we're actually, we'll be getting back, um, you know, partway through near the end, I guess, of Easter weekend, um, which isn't ideal for family stuff, right? And by Easter, of course, I mean Thanksgiving. <laughs> the look on Chris's face is like, wow, you're going to be gone a long time. Um, no, no, of uh, Thanksgiving weekend. So, I mean, for those of you who are, who are out there, uh, prayer requests would obviously include safety. Um, details of the travel and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but also certainly, I mean, I have uh, a young family at home, right? I have three kids who don't quite understand um, what's happening, why I'm gone. They don't quite understand the mission and the importance and all that kind of stuff. Uh, a wife who is um, very at peace with me going, but uh, obviously there'll be worry and, and some manner of fear while I'm gone. Uh, so you can pray for all that stuff and, uh, and then obviously pray for the mission itself because there's, uh, there's a lot to it. And, uh, it's, I think it's important work. So yeah, let me, let me ask you because I, you, you already mentioned, obviously you're a pastor. Um, so you're already doing the work. A lot of people would say, well, why like let somebody else go and do this mm-hmm. since you're already, you're already doing God's work here and you're obviously gifted in this, in this role. Why did you feel it was important for you to go to a foreign country and, and basically do what you've been asked to do here. Why do you feel it's important for you to be, be going? So God equips all of us differently and, and uniquely. And I think that one of the things that he's gifted me with is the ability to teach. And so basically what I'm doing is um, going and teaching other pastors how to teach the Bible, right? That's, that's essentially what I'm doing when I'm teaching the biblical theology and hermeneutics, how to understand the Bible, how to, how to teach from the Bible, how to, um, how to understand what the Bible's saying, et cetera. And so it, it really is, I think whenever we're presented with the opportunity to go on short-term missions, I think short-term missions have the opportunity to always be selfish, right? There are a lot of missions trips um, where, and I know this as, as a former youth pastor, right? Where it's great to take your youth because they get a, you know, an ex- to experience the world. And, and we often come back as youth pastors and talk about how it was transformational for our youth. Um, a lot of times when we go on short-term missions trips, it's more about the team going than it is about the people we're going to serve. And especially if we go with the attitude of like, we're going to, to give them something that they need, right? Like we have something that they don't have and therefore we're going to kind of fix them. Um, and all I would say is I, I'm not going, um, because I have a ton of stuff to teach them. I'm going, um, because I think this is a unique way that God has gifted me and because of the privilege that I have to live in a country where I can pursue education, where I can go to seminary, where I have access to, you know, on, you know, countless libraries of, of dead theologians. And I, I get the privilege of having a job where they allow me to study those things and they buy me books, you know? And so this is just a way of me using, the privilege, if if I can say it, this is my way of checking my privilege, <laughs> but the privilege that I have of, of being at a stable church that can pay my salary and give me time to study and to learn, 
Um, I, I wasn't born in Iraq, and so I'm not in the same position as some of these pastors, but if I was born there, I would be. And, and the position would be, I feel the call of God to pastor and to shepherd God's people and to teach them from his word, but I don't have the, the education or the, um, the resources in order to do that as effectively as I could if somebody came in and helped. Now, I say all that to say, there's definitely going to be some like back and forth ministry here because I'm going to learn from them what it looks I'm Quite honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm going to learn from them what courage looks like, right? Like what it looks like. Um, last week um, in our catechism episode, we were talking about, um, you know, that we are not our own, that we've been bought with a price. And like these are guys living that out, right? I'm, I'm getting to, to see firsthand guys who are risking their lives, risking their families, risking their livelihood in order to do what God's called them to do. Uh, so I feel like I'm going to learn all of that stuff. And the hope is, is that you come back with a level of passion and a level of um, courage that's been instilled in you by the circumstances. And I'm able to breathe that into our the congregation of our, our little church, right? So it will be mutually beneficial and all missions trips should, but I, I feel like we're going and we're going to be helpful to them and they're going to be helpful to us. Absolutely. So. I think one of the cool things about you going um, is that like, well, obviously you're gone right now when I'm, when I'm saying <laughs> this, but one of the cool things about you going is that you... Um, you didn't leverage all like the, the rebel network cause we do have a, a fairly big network that could have helped fund this. You got, you funded this just like any of the other missionaries at our church would do this, um, through the church yep. and through raising your own support to go. Yep. And so I think that, I think that's a, a really cool way. So that's why we're partly why we're releasing it while you're away so that we don't get somebody from the rebels being like, Hey, we can help, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, but how can the rebel network basically be helping missionaries in their, in their local churches? Do you have any ideas? Like since you're now one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that's a great question. And I and you know, that was something that was important to me and important to our board of elders as well that if um if we want to prioritize and preach and send, right? If we want to prioritize global missions and we want to preach the command to go and make disciples and then we want to send people to go and and live out that calling, then that has to be modeled by the leadership. And so um when this you know, the temptation for something like this is, you know, I'm a pastor and, you know, I, um, there, there'd be opportunity for us to use some of the budget, you know, of the church or right now our church is, is doing great. We can, you know, we're operating with a bit of a surplus. So there'd be easy, it'd be easy for us to grab that money and, and kind of go and fund my trip. Um, but I think one of the important pieces is you need some skin in the game, right? So you, you, you want, you need to be able to invest in something like this. It should cost you something. Um, this, sh- this shouldn't just be, and, and it al- always bothers me when, when people raise funds for, you know, what essentially is kind of a, a vacation or you're getting to travel because the mission, the mission of it isn't that, I don't want to say it's not that great. Um, but you know what I'm saying, right? We all know that there are missions trips that, that get funded, that, um, there's yeah, very little, go spirit- on <laughs> yeah, there's very little, I guess, spiritual fruit. Um, so it was important for us, for me to pay part of my own way and all that kind of stuff. Now that said, what was cool is, I mean, we even waited to announce this to the church just a couple weeks before. And I was pretty confident that the amount of money that I wanted to raise from the church, which is the same that we would um, expect any missionary to fund part, part of their own way and the church would help out with the rest. Um, and so I, I told the church how much we needed. And I think there were two weeks uh, that people had an opportunity to give and we exceeded what was, what, what was needed. And so what's cool actually is we're just in, in contact right now, obviously by the time people are listening to this, I will have already gone, but 
uh, we're talking to the missionaries on the ground in Iraq. What can we bring? So our church has the opportunity, whether that's whether that's bringing in Bibles, which is something that we're willing to do. It seems like one of the things they might want brought in is commentaries on thumb drives and things like that. So, but our church is able to fund that because people were generous enough to give more than what I actually needed to cover. Um, you know what what the church was to cover in my my trip. Um, so that's just a kind of cool testimony, and and Amen. people are yeah people are great. Um, what I would say in, in response to your specific question about how can people help missionaries is I think, number one, churches should work hard to cultivate, and we're not there yet. This, quite honestly, that's one of the reasons I'm going on this trip is like our church isn't quite there yet, but cult, we're, I think our church is really good at local missions, um, right? We're good at getting involved in our community around the church. Um, our kind of global perspective is something that we've focused on over the last several of months. And, uh, and I think that... Um, so creating a culture where the expectation is, and I remember David Platt saying this in a sermon that both you and I loved of his, and it's been something we've rep- repeated to each other multiple times, is uh, if you're not called to stay, you're commanded to go. And I think that's the culture that we want to create is whether that's long term, whether that's your whole life, whether that's kind of medium term, or whether or not there is an actually valuable short term trip like this that you could go on. You're commanded to do that. So unless you have a good reason why you're called to stay, you've actually been commanded to go. So it's, it's number one, mm. cultivate that sort of a, an atmosphere. And I think for pastors in particular, that means, and that's true for anything, whether that's church planting, um, you know, missions work, whatever, you need to be willing to send your best and your brightest. Right. We, we were kind of joking one time about how great it would be to be a, to church plant. And I can think about 20 people I could do without. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and, but but the reality is, is like if you're not willing to send your best, if you're not willing to send that great couple who are involved in everything, who are your like go to people who will say yes to every volunteer opportunity, if you're not willing to send them, you're not committed enough to the mission. So you got to create a culture where you're you're looking to send because you recognize how urgent the mission is. Right. You recognize there's a world that needs saving. There's a gospel that needs proclaiming. There's a kingdom that needs building. Um, so that's number one. And then I would say just number two is recognizing your stage in life. We have a lot of people who maybe um, we, have, we have people in our church who are undergoing chemo treatments. We have uh, people in our church who have very, very young kids. We have people in our church who are just at all kinds of different stages. So recognize the stage that you're in. And I would say that there, there's, there's one individual in our church who's really, really passionate about Haiti. He just got back from Haiti, actually. And, uh, and basically, as he worked toward retirement... He, he has your perspective on retirement, that there's no, there's, there's no such thing as Christian retirement, but redeployment. And so his, his hope is to be a, uh, he calls it a missionary snowbird, where he spends his summers in Canada, um, but set, spends his summers in Canada so that he can go down to Haiti during the winters and do ministry and, and continue the work that he's done throughout his entire life in Haiti. And those are the kinds of things that recognize your stage in life. And, and maybe you're at a stage in life when work is busy, very demanding, family's demanding, but you're making decent money. And even if, you know, you might not think you're making decent money, if you're, if you're buying Starbucks multiple times a week and you're, and you're dressed well, easy, <laughs> <laughs> then, um, then you're doing all right. And I would just say, then, you know, use, use your finances uh, because you're always at every stage, you're, you're called to support missions um, just what that looks like varies from stage to stage. So, so figure out where that is. The other thing I would say is like, we have young kids at home and it's been interesting trying to talk to them about, well, I'm going to be away and, and they're quite young. Our oldest is four. 
um, but trying to explain that to them. And you all of a sudden you realize that they don't have a global perspective. They don't understand what around the world means, different countries mean, different cultures mean. And so parents do a good job of, of trying to instill in your children that there's a mission beyond just their, their neighbors, right? Beyond just their neighborhoods. Those are mission fields, don't get me wrong. And in fact, those are the mission fields that young kids ought to focus on at an early age, but give them a global perspective early. So those are, those are a couple of things that come to mind. And those are some things I've been thinking about as I've been gearing up and praying for this trip. Sweet. So as, since you're away right now, um, <laughs> How can, how can anybody who's listening to this pray for your family while, while, mm-hmm. while they're gone? I know obviously just the general, the general things. What are some specific things or just things that we could do as a church family? Not specifically necessarily to you while you're away, but like just when mission people go on missions in the, the church and they leave the young kids, they leave the job. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some things that we could do to support the other half that doesn't go yeah. right. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously prayer is the right answer and it's, it's not an insignificant one. So you can, you know, sometimes you say, well, pray, but then also all these really helpful also things. Also give me $10. Yeah. But no, the, the, um, prayer is a big one and, and specifically praying, you know, if it's for safety and fruitfulness on my end, then it would be praying specifically for, for patience, for strength, for endurance, um, for, you know, peace and that sort of thing for Colleen and the kids. And, you know, because we have three kids, you know, four and under it's, it's busy and it's exhausting. And so oftentimes when I go home from work, you know, I'm, I'm trying my best to be support, to be as actively involved as I can be trying to help out during those, those hours before bedtime. Um, and, and even in the mornings, you know, trying to be the first one up with the kids and all that kind of stuff, which just means that Colleen's going to have a lot of long, busy days in a row. So praying for her and that sort of thing. The other thing is like, if you're listening to this, and I know a lot of our people listen to this practical things, you know, bring Colleen a meal for the, for the family, you know what I mean? Like, or, or schedule a play date with, with her and the kids and your kids or whatever, because, um, we're not going to be around the faster this goes for her, the the easier it's going to be and the more kind of help. So those are some practical things for sure that you can do. And I would just say that for, for any missionary, right? So when, when somebody's gone, they have a spouse, they have a family who's at home who might need, whether it's distraction or just practical help. Um, but even as missionaries come back, right, we have, we have some missionary families who are back in our church right now. We say they're home, although their home is, uh, is, you know, where they've planted their families. Um, but, you know, helping them acclimatize, helping them by giving them meals, you know, scheduling play dates, like all that kind of stuff. Those are all just really practical ways that when missionaries come home, they want to share about their experiences. So invite them over, you know, make time for them. Um, and, and while they're away, they're leaving a family that, uh, with, with less help, with less, less hands. So one, one last question, obviously you might not be able to answer this now cause you're currently not gone, but, um, what, what are you, what are you hoping to see, um, while you're, while you're away? Like, you know, the, the bucket list dream, like if you right. could, if you could have your way while, while the trip is um, happening, what would you like to see happen? Um, while you're away and what would you like to, obviously you already mentioned earlier, you would like to see courage and, and all that stuff, but what are you, what are you hoping to get out of the trip? Um, and then hope to give while you're there. Yeah. Um, well, I think the, the, what I want to give and what I want to get are things that I've already talked about. Like I said, you know, I, I want, I want to be able to actually equip these pastors, right? So at the end of the day, I hope that when we're gone, 
they're they're better at biblical counseling. They're they're, they're uh, have greater understanding of biblical theology. They're they they have more skills in interpreting scripture and putting together sermons and and teaching it and all that kind of stuff. That they love God more and they love His Word more and they understand it a little bit more. Um, and then obviously for me, like I said, kind of seeing seeing the courage of what faith looks like lived out in a country where faith costs. Um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about Bonhoeffer and, and sort of the cost of discipleship and, and what it looks like to be faithful in a culture that's so heinous. And, and, uh, and so, you know, we think, and we, we talk about uh, oftentimes in rebel news, how anti-Christian the culture is. And yet we're going into a culture where it's not just anti-Christian, but another worldview has risen up that is contrary to the gospel and and so you have an islamic worldview an islamic country where the freedom that comes from the permeation of the gospel hasn't been experienced Mm. or or i should say is no longer being experienced so um so definitely encouraged that way and then you kind of asked about like what am i hoping for in the trip like i you know I'd, i'd really i'd love to just get to know you know, I, I've studied um, Islam, and um, there have been people who Joe Boots brought in through the Ezra Institute who put lectures on for in terms of like uh, you know Islamic worldview and Islamic finance and and things going on. I, I kind of want to get to know you know former Muslims and uh, how they've converted to Christianity. Mm. What was it that that um, opened their eyes to the gospel? And and we would obviously say God shined gospel light into their hearts. God regenerated their hearts, but like. You know, how can we be better at ministering? Because the truth is Muslims are populating Canada at a pretty, pretty rapid rate. And, uh, and we need to equip our churches on how to share the gospel with Muslims effectively. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm definitely hoping to kind of hear from them and learn from them, learn a little bit about the culture, learn a, bit, a little bit about the, um, the transition that they, they made. And, and ultimately, like, I, I look forward to being on the mission field because I always, and this is a culture I've never gone to before. We went to Israel, but that was like a, that was a total like sightseeing trip. Um, everywhere else I've done missions have all been um, Central and South American countries. So this will be the first uh, Middle Eastern country I've gone to do missions in. And so I, I always look forward to seeing, you know, people worshiping the same God in a completely foreign, different culture. I think it's, it's amazing. It bolsters faith. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing worship songs sung in Arabic, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, it'll be, that, that'd be really cool. So awesome. Yeah. Um, so before we just wrap it up, let me ask one more question so people have an idea. Yep. Um, we know kind of what you're doing, but like, can you just break down like what it's going to look like while you're there? Not anything specific, but yeah. like, uh, like. What time of the day are you going to be waking up? That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're um, we're flying in and out of a pretty safe place in Iraq. Um, so and that's kind of the biggest risk always with these sorts of trips. So um, really nice that we're flying in and out of a fairly f- Christian friendly ish area. Um, but but a lot of the places that we're going to be tra- so and then we're going to be staying close to that area. Um, which means early mornings, late nights, because we'll be traveling a fair distance. There's a couple nights where we're staying um, in the areas um, where we're teaching. And I mean, we're staying with the other pastors, so we're not risking anything that they don't risk all the time. Mm. But um, but it's going to look like a lot of travel and it's going to look like uh, early mornings and late nights. And basically every night that we're there, or every, every day that we're there. So we arrive and um, the main week that we're there, kind of the, the Monday through Saturday, 
is teaching, right? It's just a crash course. It's kind of seminary, you know, and, okay. and so we're starting at seven o'clock in the morning and we're finishing at seven o'clock at night. Um, so it's like 12 hours of lecturing, which is broken up between the three of us. So it's about four hours of lecturing every day for six days. So that'll be exhausting, obviously. But then on top of that, um, every night there's a worship and prayer service. And if I like, I don't know a whole lot about Muslim culture, but I, n- I remember when I was in Central and South America, like those are long too, right? So you look at it like lecturing for four hours, sitting through other people's lectures, or maybe I'll catch a, a nap when, when the other guys are teaching or something. I don't know. Um, and then, you know, and then afterwards spending time with, you know, t- and so out of those six days, two of them, I'm actually preaching then in the evening once, you know, the school part stops and the worship service starts. So there's going to be a lot of speaking and a lot of that sort of stuff. Speaking through a translator is always difficult. The nice thing is we're actually bringing our own translator. So a friend of mine has a a church that has an Arabic congregation attached to it. And the pastor of that Arabic congregation who's from Iraq is coming with us. So he's pre-translating a lot of our teaching material for worksheets and stuff. So we're working with our own translator, which is great. Um, but you know, that's going to be, that's going to be different. So what my day looks like is up super early lecturing, like all day doing worship services at night and then getting to bed super late and then doing it all the next day. So it's going to be super exhausting. Um, the first day we get there, we, we do a little bit of sightseeing, so that'll be kind of cool. Um, but I don't know what that entails. Um, I just know we're going to do some sightseeing. So I don't know if that's like biblical sightseeing or, or if that's like, you know, I think it'll be more. Don't go there. Don't go yeah, there. Don't go be. there. Who knows? Who knows? You'll get shot there. Yeah. Hide here. It might be, it might be, but, uh, <laughs> but we'll see. So anyway, that's what my trip looks like. Um, I appreciate everybody in, uh, sort of the rebel community to, uh, to pray. And, uh, I'm sure I'll have some stories to tell when I get back. Yeah, and if he doesn't come back, you're stuck with Pooty. That was good. Jokes. Then then there will be a posting for a (laughs) podcast (laughs) co-host. And just know that to live is Christ is to die is gain. I'm saying it now while I'm still alive. Hopefully I'll see you next week. Yeah. Well we're excited that you're that you're going because we we believe in we believe in the mission. We believe in um, missions. Um, and it's great when one of us gets to actually put the things that we talk about into practice publicly yeah so let's uh let's hopefully hopefully it goes great and we can't wait to hear all about it we'll give you a follow-up once you're back sounds good all right take care